0: Welcome to Soul by the Pound podcast. This podcast is a safe space designed to inspire and empower women of color to take personal responsibility in their health and mental wellness. So ladies, sit back and enjoy. This is our space. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Soul by the Pound podcast. I am so excited about our guest we have today, Miss Latoya Dwight. How are you, Latoya?
1: China, I am doing fantabulous. <laughs> I love it, fantabulous on a Friday. <laughs> on a Friday, thanks so much for asking. How are you doing?
0: doing amazing and so thrilled to have you on the show to talk about a much needed subject. And before we get into our awesome conversation, can I brag about you a little bit? Let's do it. (laughs) All right. So for our listeners, Latoya Dwight is a mother, a wife, a sister, and a friend, a driven employee benefits consultant living in Atlanta, Georgia. Shout out to all our listeners in Atlanta. (laughs) Hey, down. (laughs) Yes. I have so much family there, so they're going to be happy about this. Um, She created the fibroid pandemic as an answer to the frustration she experienced during her own journey with uterine fibroids. Dwight earned her bachelor's in BA um, in, I'm sorry, in business administration, what is wrong with my eyes today, (laughs) from DeVry University. She also holds a master of science in management from Troy University. Latoya enjoys spending her time with her family and girlfriends. And when she's not working, she loves to listen to music. That's my jam too. I always had to have the radio on.
1: Yes, ma'am. Yes.
0: <laughs> Going on nature walks and working out. She believes that there is good in everyone and is inspired by witnessing people overcome some unfathomable obstacles. Welcome to the show.
1: Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here, China.
0: Uh, we are so happy to have you and I think it's Literally, when I launched this podcast, this is our second season, and I wanted to talk about fibroids so much and how it impacts women of color. And literally, you put it out in the atmosphere and got answers, and I was just scrolling on social media in the gym when I should have been really focused, but I'm on the treadmill and I'm scrolling, and I found your page, and I'm like, oh my God, this is amazing. So tell our listeners about you know, what made you start fibroid, the fibroid pandemic.
1: Oh, gosh. Um, so first and foremost, before we even get started, I just want to tell you, thank you for having me here. I understand that there are dozens of people who can probably sit at this time slot on a Friday. And the fact that you all reached out to me to hear my story, it, it's greatly appreciated. So thank You're you so coming. much. I really appreciate it. It's an it honor. It
0: is a pleasure. It is a pleasure to have you.
1: <laughs> Absolutely. So my, you know, what what really... Motiv- motivated me to start the fibroid pandemic was based on my own personal experience. Mm-hmm. I did not know that I had a, that there were uterine fibroids on my uterus. To be honest with you, um, my then boyfriend, who's now my husband,
0: hey, he and I,
1: <laughs> yes, <laughs> he and I were dating, and we agreed that we did not want to have an unplanned pregnancy. So I went and got the Marina IUD. Mm -hmm. After a certain number of years, the IUD needs to be replaced. I went to my then OBGYN, who I had been going to for a little over 12 years. I went to go get it taken out and replaced and they couldn't find it. So Mm. she asked me, well, did you take it out? And I'm like, uh, no. (laughs) So they sent me into ultrasound and this is all within the same exact doctor's visit.
0: Uh So they
1: sent me to ultrasound, the ultrasound tech, she performed a topical ultrasound just on the top of my abdomen. She couldn't locate it. So then she did a vaginal ultrasound and there the IUD was right there front and center. She's like, oh, there it is. We, we see where it's located. Yes, we're going to go ahead and get it taken care of today. So I guess her having quote unquote good bedside manners. Mm-hmm. She asked me, hey, by the way, how are your fibroids coming along? And I looked at her with this confused look like, uh, what are you talking about? Right. (laughs) And immediately she realized that she spoke out of turn. Again, I had no idea that there were fibroids on my uterus. So I get dressed and go back inside the doctor's office. Again, this is within the same doctor's office visit, all within maybe an hour, an hour and a half visit. Wow. Okay. So I get back into my OBGYN suite and she's like, yeah, so... We were able to locate the IUD and, you know, she just kind of being very um, just standard doctor speak. Right. Mm-hmm. And I go, hey, by the way, what are these things? You know, the ultrasound tech mentioned something about these fibroids. She's like, oh, yeah. So we did see fibroids on the ultrasound. And based on where they're located and the size, I recommend a hysterectomy. This was all oh, literally in one visit in one visit. No. So not only... Did I receive the diagnosis of having uterine fibroids unbeknownst to me? I left there now with the recommendation to have a hysterectomy. Mm -hmm. So by profession, I'm an employee benefits consultant. So what I do, I negotiate B2B contracts with insurance carriers on behalf of employers. So companies that have anywhere between 100 to about 5,000 employees, I'm on that front line negotiating these financial benefit contracts. So anything from medical, dental, disability, life insurance, I'm on that front line. So I said that to say that I know that a hysterectomy is a very costly and, you know, major surgery. Now, obviously technology has evolved, but it's still considered like a major surgery. Right. So I kept prompting her like, Hey, what is, what is fibroids? What, What are they? What, what is it? Um, is it sexually transmitted? Is it genetic? Can you just take the IUD out and they go away? Like, um, what can what I do? <laughs> and I just like had all these questions. And to be honest with you, she didn't really answer them other than the fact that, well, there's no known cause in the medical industry. But if we, you can cut them out, but they're just going to grow right back. That's why I recommended you get a hysterectomy. And so that okay. didn't really sit well with me. And I kept asking her, well, how the heck did I get these things? Like, what, what are they? And she was just very cavalier. She's like, you know, they're almost like kudzu, you know, that they just so that they're such very annoying and they're like kudzu. So anyone who knows what kudzu is, it's like the weeds that grow outside. Like, I think I guess they kind of grow up the side of your house. Okay, okay. And so she compared my womb. Now, this is where the essence of where life is born. Mm -hmm. She compared it to. Weeds, and that did not sit well with me, especially knowing that I had been going to her for twelve years every year going to get a checkup like how was this not mentioned to me right or and were, <laughs> exactly and the fact that they were large or severe enough to to a point to where she would recommend the hysterectomy so obviously they were there for some time, and I, I'm assuming because I never complained about them she didn't say anything. So I call, I get in the car, I call my then boyfriend and I'm explaining to him what's going on. And he's like, well, what are you talking about? And I didn't really have the tools or the knowledge to really explain to him what fibroids were. So I get home. And of course he's looking at me sideways, like, girl, what you got? (laughs) (laughs) And, um, you know, I ended up going through a couple of different coaching programs. I, I did yoga. I did qigong. I did the whole eat for my blood type, um, vegan, vegetarianism. And eventually I did uh, settle on uterine fibroid embolization, which is simply blocking the blood supply to the fibroid. I was back on my feet within a couple of days, back to normal within a couple of weeks. Okay. And um, after my procedure, I was under anesthesia and, and my husband, he recorded me. It was like just a silly vid- video and While under anesthesia, I was talking about the land of the Smurfs, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) So about a day or two after my procedure, we're lying in bed in the morning. He pulls up his phone and shows his video. And I'm like, what? What the heck is that? He's like, yeah, this is you. You're just hilarious. (laughs) Okay. So we're laughing about it. And um, I go, well, send that to me. So I posted it on my personal Facebook page. This was back in 2019. Okay. And I got such an amount of response. My cousin called me. I remember exactly where I was at that very, very moment. It was on a Thursday, I believe. And she said, girl, did you see your Facebook? And I'm like, uh, no. She goes, well, go back and take a look at it. My cell phone starts blowing up. I'm getting text messages and telephone calls. And I start getting a lot of DMs from men, women, Young girls, you know, some were saying, you know, I wish I would have saw your information sooner or else I probably would not be divorced. Um, no. I wish I would have ran into you sooner, heard your story sooner. Otherwise, my 20-year-old daughter would not have had a hysterectomy. So literally, I'm reading these items, these comments, and I start crying. Mm-hmm. I always get emotional. The reason why I started crying.
0: In. I have goosebumps on this end. <laughs> Keep going. We're
1: Just getting started. I'm going to <laughs> <in me> already. <laughs> but the reason why it was so emotional for me, China, was because I remember about a couple months prior to that, I was telling my husband, I go, you know, I feel that God is calling me to help someone. I don't know if it's to help children, if it's to help the homeless, if it's to help women, our neighborhood, I don't know, but I feel it in my gut. When they say that discernment was so strong, um, I said, I knew that God is calling me to help someone. And at that very moment, as I'm reading these text messages and DMs and getting telephone calls on my cell phone, I started to weep because I knew that was it. Mm-hmm. And I said, this is it. Like literally in that very moment, I knew that that was it. So couple months later, I posted on, you know, I'm I'm sorry. So a couple months later, I talking to my girlfriend, what am I supposed to do? What am I supposed to do? And she's like, well, just start a Instagram. I'm like, well, what? She goes, you'll figure it out. <laughs> so I'm not going to lie. I googled the difference between a pandemic and an epidemic. And I go, you know what? This is truly the fibroid pandemic because it's global. It definitely it's global. is. Global. Mm-hmm. So, um, My very first Instagram post, if memory serves me correctly, was probably something like coming soon, you know, the fibroid pandemic. And um, since then, it's been full speed ahead.
0: That's amazing. I'm over here with goosebumps and tearing up because it's amazing how, number one, our transparency really just heals so many people. Like just that moment you sharing that journey is definitely brought an audience to you. And yeah. Also, like tearing up because I'm like, like you said, you know, God was put this discernment on your heart, and you were obedient, and I'm so happy you are because you are now able to share this. You now have a platform that you can reach so many people, and for that, I am so grateful. So, oh, thank, thank you, for that.
1: absolutely, absolutely. So
0: now we know like what inspired you, you know, because actually, like, how did you get your start? What is it that instead of asking you what inspired you, because I'm sure that's part of it. But what is it that keeps you going to kind of do this type of work? Like you listed your career. And your, you have an amazing resume. What is it that keeps you going to do this work um, for the community?
1: To be really honest with you, it's when I get those DMs that say, you know, um, thank you for your platform. Mm-hmm. It's when I get those DMs that say, oh, my God, I just saw your post. And this is this so close to home when I get those DMs that say, you know, this is your calling, and it's like I'm—it's just little me, right? I don't think much of it, but when I get that DM that says, you know, thank you for all that you do and all that you have done, you know, I'm facing a hysterectomy as well. I just got diagnosed, and a hysterectomy is the first and only option that my doctor has given me. Wow. Those are the things that really keep me inspired.
0: Mhm. Absolutely. You know what's so funny? I we actually had an episode, um, a couple episodes back, of a young lady who did have a hysterectomy, and very similar. And I, I hate that it's a very similar story, but her story was very similar, and it wasn't fibroids. I forget uh, my memory serves me. This is a couple episodes back, but one of the biggest things is she is a nurse. She had the same nurse and doctor for years, and no one told her until hysterectomy was the only option. Mm -hmm. And I remember after hearing her story, and I I was just on Facebook looking at something. I don't know what I was looking at, but it was a young woman who was a white young woman, and she wanted a hysterectomy because she said she never wants kids in life, and she was like in her... Like in her late twenties, and she's like, I don't like I don't want kids, I want a hysterectomy. Her doctor said, No, you might change, mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah. And I was thinking, how are the mm-hmm. options so different? Like for women of color versus a white woman, where the doctor's like, No, rethink it, blah, blah, blah. But then you have eighteen, nineteen, twenty-year-old black mm-hmm. women that are having hysterectomies as the only option, and it's not the only option. So, oh, that's heavy. One thing I do want you to touch on, um, you provide, you, you talked about like your diet and you share a lot of this content on your page. Can mm-hmm. you touch on that a little bit? I know this wasn't one of the original questions I sent you. Oh, that's okay. I don't mind. One of the famous, while we're on this subject, what are some of the tips and tools that you share that you, I know, them, but you can share with our audience that really helps these women kind of advocate for themselves and find other solutions?
1: Yeah, so that's a really good question. So number one, from the stance of diet, um, and one thing about me, I'm really firm on knowing what works best for you. Mm-hmm. Fibroid, The fibroid healing journey is not a one-size-fits-all because the quote-unquote medical industry does not quite know what causes them. Um changing your diet can truly help minimize the bulk symptoms. Bulk symptoms mean like the bloating and stuff like that, the pain. And so one of the main things as far as diet goes would be dairy products.
2: Mm. Eliminate
1: dairy products because as is known, research shows that having a dominance of estrogen is one of the main culprits of uterine fibroids. Although they don't know what causes them, a dominance of estrogen is one of the main culprits. As you may know, Dairy, all things dairy, they're literally latent with estrogen, estrogen yeah. no matter how you cut it, right? Yeah. So dairy would be one thing you want to eliminate from your diet. And all full transparency, my diet probably consists of maybe 2% dairy. Okay, And that's when I eat a piece of my Ezekiel bread or Ezekiel <laughs> toast. And I don't want margarine on there because that's actually even worse for your body because has so many other additives. So in all full transparency, I do, but I keep it very, very minimal. Another thing is fried foods. You definitely just, you want to eliminate fried fried foods anyway. Um, Again, in full transparency. Yes. I I may grab a French fry or two off of my husband's plate, right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But I keep it very, very minimal. Um, The other thing is I would say is, you know, red meats, pork. So I'll be honest with you. I have not eaten. And interestingly enough, this is way before I even heard of fibroids, but, um, my son is 29 years old. I have not eaten pork since I was 16.
0: Um, nor
1: I haven't eaten beef since 1997. (laughs) So um, it was kind of easy for me to transition, right? Mm -hmm. Also sugar. You want to be careful with sugar. Um, Sugar is like the poison of a woman's reproductive system. Um, and there are so many reasons why, but yeah, those are the main items you want to eliminate as well as alcohol. Um, so from a diet perspective, those are the key items. Now, from a um, physical perspective, I would say things like really focusing on your mental health, um, minimizing any internal or and or external stressors. What I mean by that is, Internal stressors is like just really coming down on yourself, not speaking positive affirmations, you know, not meditating. Those are examples of what I, you know, what I mean by that. But really focusing on your mental health to where you are speaking light into your life because words are power. Yes, and it's yeah. amazing how, you know, what you speak is what you seek. Yeah. So being focused on that internal, but also external, your external stressors, you know, relationships, whether it's a, with a significant other, a loved one or a spouse or a boyfriend or girlfriend or a partner or whatever, um, a relationship with your job, a relationship with your finances, you know, really focusing on minimizing that stress because stress really helps, it contributes to fibroid growth. Stress in and of itself is unhealthy physically for anyone, no matter if you do or do not have fibroids. But I can tell you from firsthand when I would get stressed out, it would make me feel more bloated. It would make me feel more feel more sluggish. It would make me feel um, more lethargic Um, pain and pressure actually nearly multiplied when I was more stressed out. You know, think of it like when you go to a hairdresser, right, and you you put your hair in their bowl and they're sinking, they're washing your hair. And all of a sudden you just start releasing, you know, i, I got this going on with work. Mm-hmm. And you become like their life coach. You got to release it. You yeah. got to release it. So those would be some examples of internal and external stressors, but also from a chemical standpoint, really minimizing your chemical intake, meaning focusing on organic foods, fruits and veggies, um, really. And I understand sometimes you, people may not even have access to it, but there are ways that you can clean it naturally with like a, just do like a, you can Google how to clean, you know, your fruits and vegetables naturally, but just do like a mixture of vinegar and bacon soda, you know? Um, but also things like your makeup, um, your trees, you know, um, and I'm not 100% clean, but I do everything step by step. My sanitary products, I've really focused on going to a more chemical free, non-toxic type of sanitary product. A, lo- a lot of times you hear people say, oh, yeah, it's natural cotton. Yeah, but what about those other layers yeah. underneath that top yeah. layer? Yeah. You know, you'll be amazed at how many products are actually causing more reproductive issues than what they're not. So those would be some of the key items that I would suggest.
0: I love it. You know, a common thread that I'm noticing, and it's literally like a little light bulb going off of my head, but the common thread um, that I'm noticing with this podcast, and you just touched on it and we had people in the past about how what we put in our body how it all intersects with our emotional and our physical well-being and absolutely when we started soul by the pal it literally was just about working out and eating healthy and then i'm like all right we need to add a mental aspect in it you know like what's going on emotionally what is going on mentally and then now I'm seeing that it literally is a cycle. Like what you're putting into your body, what you I'm so happy you talked about and I wrote this down, all these internal and external stressors and how this really does, you know, ultimately impact fibroids and our physical well-being. So I'm glad that you touched on that as well.
1: Absolutely. Yeah.
0: Now, um the next question I do have for you is what do you feel like Black women need to hear in regards to fibroids? Because like you said, you when you heard about it, you didn't really know much about it. I think the only time I remember seeing fibroids growing up is like um, on Atlanta Housewives. And I think Cynthia, I, I can't say this enough. I'm so grateful that she put us through her journey so we could see it on TV, but we really haven't heard it a lot. What is something that you would like to share with particularly women of color when it comes to this discussion?
1: Absolutely. So. And I apologize, let me take a step back. So for those who are listening to this, you know, for starters, fibroids are non-cancerous tumors of the uterus. Um as I mentioned about 80% of women within their childbearing years will develop fibroids. 80 I'm sorry, 70% will develop fibroids and 80% of that segment are black. Um wow. With that being said, you know, black women are disproportionately impacted whereby they receive the diagnosis much later than our white counterparts, and then the options, like we mentioned earlier, that were given, you know, to heal or overcome fibroids are very minimal compared to our white counterparts. Um, one thing I would say is, first of all, Cynthia is amazing. She's beautiful. She's down to earth, and she's such a amazing advocate for uterine fibroids. Um, one thing I would say, China, is that fibroids. They're not a death sentence. One of my nieces called me and she's like, Hey, Auntie, you know, I remember you doing these, you know, talks about fibroids. And I just got back from a doctor and she was like in tears. I'm like, Wait, 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 time out. Hold on. Deep breath. Deep breath. (laughs) She's like, What does this mean? Am I going to time out? (laughs) Fibroids are not a death sentence. God willing, they remain not being a death Mm -hmm. sentence you heard uh, that. Yeah. <laughs> pin, pin on that? Okay, good. <laughs> All right. They're non-cancerous tumors. Um, they're more. They're like a muscle mass, right? Um, another thing that I would say is pay attention to your body. One thing that I realized, you know, hindsight is twenty twenty. So after I received the fibroid diagnosis, and I really went you know, really deep into doing my own personal research because my doctor had not given me anything to go on, I realized that, and, and I, I sometimes say, you know, receiving the fibroid diagnosis was actually um, bittersweet for me, whereby after doing my research, it provided an answer to a lot of the physical feelings I had been feeling already, but I simply chopped it up to the fact that I was getting older.
2: Hmm. For example,
1: like I mentioned, you know, lethargy, I was always tired. I was always tired. Interestingly enough, I couldn't relate to someone who had really heavy menstrual cycles, heavy periods. Um, some of the most common symptoms for those who are unaware, you know, menorrhagia, which is heavy and prolonged menstrual cycles. I know this one lady who was in her thirties. Um, she became anemic. Her menstrual cycles were, her periods were so bad. To the point to where she had to get blood transfusions regularly. Wow. Um, wow. So, pain and pressure in the pelvic area, pain during physical intercourse, um, things like pica. Uh, you, you know, when you experience a, a significant amount of loss of blood, um, you develop pica, which is like the urge to eat something that has no nutritional value. Like, you may see some people eating ice all the time. Um, eating starch, just something that's non-nutritional. Your hair, skin, and nails start to change. You may have, you know, with with me, for example, I had a really, really bad acne all of a sudden. Like, where is this coming from? Mm -hmm. Went to my dermatologist, could not figure out. My hormones were out of whack. Um, And with, with anemia, it does affect your hair, skin, and nails. And so my hair was not falling out. It just was not growing. My nails they were like breaking. And so I just could not figure it out. And I was always tired. Lethargy is huge. And, um, you know, I didn't feel like going to hang out with my son on the weekends when he had a basketball game or a baseball game, but I had to because I was a single parent, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and even, you know, things like brain fog. Oh my gosh. It would have you thinking that you're like going senile and no disrespect to anyone who may be yeah. but you know, it was very, very hard for me to grasp. Darn, this is what it feels like in your thirties, you know, cause I was in my thirties when I got diagnosed, but mm-hmm. then after doing my research, I'm like, Oh my gosh, that's why I feel like this. That's why I feel like that. So, you know, the important message I'm saying is just get to know your body and do your research, understand what's happening because it's amazing how the body works, China. About six months after the fibroid diagnosis, my periods all hell broke loose. Cause I, I couldn't relate to someone who didn't have, who had heavy periods, cause I never did. Right. I never did. It lasted about yeah. four days. I was fine. But interestingly enough, about six months later, you know, it's amazing how the mind and body works. All hell broke loose. Wow. I was to a point to where I was wearing super tampons. Like I was at a point prior to that, I could wear a panty liner day three and be fine for two days. It wow. got to a point to where I had to wear super tampon. Now, all at one time, super tampon, a super pad overnight. So it oh, <laughs> felt like a darn diaper because was so <laughs> bulky. I had absorbent underwear, a pair of spandex shorts, and my pants, wearing them all at the same time. Wow. So you can only wow. imagine how miserable it was, especially really? during the summertime. You had a lot on. <laughs> a lot. I feel like a baby, like a baby diaper or something, <laughs> um, which I actually do know women who wear the pins. It's sad. But wow. um, yeah, so I hope I didn't go off on a tangent, but those, you know, th- that would be Um, My response to that one. Sorry about
0: that. No, you know what I was thinking? I I write notes when people are talking because I always pay attention to like standout points that not only do I think I want to, you know, reiterate for our listeners, but also stuff for me. I always walk away and like reread these interviews. But the number one thing I am so impressed by what you're saying is that you get to the root of what's going on. And I think that's a lesson that a lot of us need to, to figure out. Right. Because. Sometimes we might say, I mean, I'm so pro-nap. I always joke about this. I love a good nap, right? Oh, yeah. But I think sometimes we will say, okay, I'm a little tired. All right, you know, it's fatigue. I did have a long week or my skin's breaking out well you know what it could have been what i ate last week and just we we can't just dismiss stuff and you did not like just sit down and dismiss stuff you literally like okay i went to the dermatologist and then we figured okay we saw this all right but i knew my hair wasn't falling out like you are literally doing your deductive reasoning (laughs) on your own and i commend you for that because the whole time i'm thinking like are you not playing over there let like you literally were trying to figure out like what is it that's going on? So that is admirable. And I think that is a lesson, too, on top of everything you just said to our listeners. If it don't feel right, just get to the bottom of it, you know? So,
1: Yeah, and I appreciate that. You know, the thing is, Chana, when you receive a diagnosis from someone you trusted for over 12 years and they're very cavalier and they give you little to no information, that adds a, another layer of stress and anxiety that, that a patient doesn't deserve. Mm-hmm. I felt like I was left out on an island by myself and then to go home to tell my boyfriend about it and not have, be able to articulate anything, you know, what this means. You, If you can imagine how I felt, you know, I, I felt like I had the, the plague, wow. <laughs> you know, yeah. like, it's just like, you feel like you're out on the island by yourself and either you're going to fight or flight. And my personality I'm going to fight. So (laughs) when I tell you I did my own research and I'm still learning, I don't have all the answers and I never claimed to, but I was determined to figure out how can I help my body get better. And so that's why I did my research. And um, I still learn things every day. I still learn things every single day. You know,
0: I love it. You love you learning it and you're applying it, which it sounds like as well, which is really impressive. Now, what is one thing, because I mean, you've been seeing like Johnny on the spot with all of these things, like whatever you hear, you learn. What is one thing you wish you really started earlier when you like, what is one thing you wish you knew earlier before any of this happened? Like, dang, like that. if I knew back then what I know now or whatever, do you have any of those moments?
1: I do. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Number one, I just really wish. The, the term fibroids was taken more serious. People don't really, he, it's the, the word is really starting to trend now. It's become a lot more trending than what it was just three or five years ago. Yeah, right. I agree. Um, but one thing that I wish I knew, I wish I understood it more. Mm. Because after I started to tell my story, all, everyone starts coming out the woodwork. So meaning that my mother had fibroid surgery.
2: Wow. My mother and
1: my mother in love, some call mother in law, my mother in love had fibroids. Oh. <laughs>
2: uh-huh.
1: My um, husband's godmother, um, uh, my, my sister has fibroids, well, had a fibroid procedure. My nieces have fibroids. And three of my closest friends have fibroids. And it's like, wait wow. a minute. Wow. Why what the hell nobody's talking about this? Yeah. <laughs> And I remember once I started telling my story and I was talking to my brother and sister one day and I was like, wait a minute, what was that surgery that mommy had? I remember when I was in high school, my mom had surgery, but way back then they called it tumor surgery. Mm. Oh my gosh, mommy had fibroids. And they're like, you're right. (laughs) (laughs) You know, so I just wish that people would start talking about it more because When I say the term Susan G. Komen, you automatically know know Mm -hmm. what it is. Mm -hmm. I don't even have to mention the the term breast cancer. I don't have to. When you see the pink ribbon, you already know what it is. So if fibroids are affecting 70% of humans with the uterus, because I can't say women and because I get attacked. But if they're. If 70% of humans with a uterus experience uterine fibroids and 80% of that segment are Black, this should be all over the news. Absolutely. We shouldn't have to Absolutely. talk about a basketball player that's acting a damn fool out there, right. a football player that's acting a fool. Right. Like, this is something that affects the household. This mm-hmm. affects the working community. This affects every aspect of society because Black women are... You know, huge pillars in our society. So why are we talking about?
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Oh my gosh! You know, on a previous interview, I um, was talking to a behavioral relationship expert, Mm -hmm. and one of her biggest things that she said, and this wasn't like to to any of the questions, but she said, "It's time for Black women to take up space," and. Mm. I think we've always—I don't know—culturally, I feel like there's so, there's so a million factors that play into you know like why we have the cape on and we just do the work and we what stays it what goes on in this house stays in this house or well that's my business like we've done that for so long and it's so much freedom and transparency and having these conversations. Um, in the past, we did a breast cancer event, and I remember one of my mom's old friends attended the event. My mom's like, Oh, what are you doing here? We never knew this woman even back like was a cancer survivor. She was like a twelve year wow. cancer survivor. And uh, going back to what you said about like okay you have a mother, your mother in love, your husband's godmom like these are literally pillars around you. And they these women literally went through the same thing and I I I, I acknowledge the fact that we do need to keep having these conversations no matter how uncomfortable uncomfortable it may be or whatever it may be like that's you know we don't necessarily bring it up over coffee and you know lunch or something but definitely needs to be a conversation that keeps happening because it should be just like you and that was a great analogy we automatically know Susan G. Coleman like we need to have that automatic like oh well you know this year so and so so and so day you know like something like we have to occupy that space so I'm glad that you touched on that.
1: Absolutely. Thank you.
0: Yeah. So uh,
1: I can't believe I'm like at the fifth question. I'm like, no, we need more. (laughs) It's okay. I'm not not in a rush. I'm I'm all yours for as long as you need
0: me. (laughs) Okay. So are there any final thoughts or anything that you would really love to share with our audience? I mean, you gave a ton of golden nuggets. If you see my notebook right now, I got Oh my God! We dropped, <laughs> dropped the gems, Latoya, on this Friday. But Thank are there you. any like special thoughts that you would like to leave with our guests? If there's like that one um, thing that should stick out in head, like, hey, boom, y'all need to like take this with you. What would you say that is?
1: One thing I would say is act sooner, not later. Mm-hmm. Act sooner, not later. Black women are always standing for everyone else. Hello. <laughs> we, take of our, we take care of our children, our significant others, our households, our job. We're doing eighty hours at work. We are mandated at work to do overtime. We are there for our friends, our girlfriends, our homies. You know, mm-hmm. we're there for everybody else. And by the time the end of the day comes, we are so exhausted. We literally we have zero in left for ourselves when the day is over. You take a shower, lay down at night, we're done. We are exhausted.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: Take that cape off, sis. Mm -hmm. You don't have to be that strong Black woman. You can be emotional. You can be in tune with your feelings. You can be vulnerable. It is okay to feel what you feel. But one thing I would say is to act sooner, not later. Mm -hmm. Now, for me, I... it was kind of a different situation because I didn't know that there were fibroids on my uterus. Um, When I started to do my research, I I did it for about three, four years before I even did anything about it. Had I known then what I know now, I wish I would have just kind of got to it a lot sooner. Because what happens is you can never get that time back. Mm -hmm. And by the time you get to that doctor's visit or by the time you get to that operating table or by the time you get to that coaching program, whether you want to... You want to try to overcome fibroids, the more holistic route or minimally invasive procedure or major surgery, whatever. By the time you get there, they are so far gone that that's why a lot of women end up having to have hysterectomies. Mm -hmm. Because we've waited five to 10 years. Statistically, women wait about three to five years before doing anything. Wow. That's a long time. That's a very long time. If you get diagnosed with breast cancer, are you going to wait three to five years to start doing something about it? Right. No. No. You're going to try to get treatment ASAP, literally right now at your diagnosis. You're going to try to start getting treatment immediately. So one thing I would say is act sooner, not later. Sis, you owe it to yourself. Right. Absolutely. You owe it to yourself. Take care of yourself. Love yourself. We do everything else for everybody else. We even look good for everybody else. Everybody else, right? <laughs> You know, we even look good for everybody. Look good for yourself. Yeah. So and you can feel good because when we look good and we feel good and we're, we're in a more healthy state, we can do good. We can be better. We can show up better for people.
0: Absolutely.
1: Ah. So that's one thing I would definitely say. Act sooner, not later. I love that. I know this one girl, she she literally looks pregnant. She looks pregnant. Sweetheart. I love her to death. But um, and I don't know the story, so I'm not gonna speak on it, but that's just one thing I would say, you know, act sooner, not later. Why wait? Mm-hmm. And there can be, you know, and don't get me wrong, I'm extremely understanding. And I know some people have certain situations, there can be different reasons as to why they're waiting. Who knows? But in a per quote unquote perfect scenario, if there's such a thing. I would say act sooner, not later. Don't wait around.
2: Absolutely.
1: A lot of times a doctor would say, well, if they're not really giving you any trouble, you don't have to do anything. That's called watchful waiting. Mm -hmm. You don't have to do anything, which is true. You don't have to do anything. But usually if you ignore them and if you don't change your lifestyle, they're just going to get bigger. Mm They're going to get larger. you know More may develop. So by the time you finally decide to do something, before you know it, they are three times the size that they originally were, that you have more, and now you're going to be off your feet for 12 weeks, right? Whereas you could have done something about it earlier, what, whether to change your diet or anything, and you could have gotten back to normal within a few weeks, right? Um, there are a lot of options that I would also say, you know, uh, again, as I mentioned a couple of minutes ago, you can go about your fibroid healing journey, the holistic route, whereby you'd be incorporating diet and exercise, um, positive mental health space, eliminating products and chemicals. That's more the holistic route, right? Focusing on your mental health space. And the other route would be minimally invasive procedure or non-invasive, which is more like the watchful waiting, um, minimally invasive. That's going to be like your uterine fibroid embolization, also known as UFE or UAE. That's just like an example, um, or even more like a a, a Sessa or sonata um those are some of your minimally invasive procedures or major okay. surgery you can do a major surgery you can have a you know um you can do a robotic myomectomy and that's not as invasive as a you know open myomectomy but you can do a robotic myomectomy you can do a laparoscopic myomectomy you can do an open myomectomy even um the difference between a, a myomectomy and a cesarean is, in a the cesarean, they cut out the baby. They cut you open and take the baby out. With the myomectomy, they cut you out and take the fibroids out. Oh, but they yeah. leave your uterus intact um, mm-hmm. with the option to possibly be able to have child, you know, um, bear children again. Bear children, yeah. With the hysterectomy, you can't have children anymore. Um, so to your point earlier, where you mentioned about our white counterparts who are told to, to, you know, maintain your fertility, that's a whole different conversation that you and I can have.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah. I already know what you're going with that one. Yeah, I just wanted to just add that additional commentary.
0: Yeah. I know exactly where you with that one. Mm-hmm. Oh, This was so good. Like, this was really, really good. Where can you leave our listeners, before I ask you the Soul Star tip of the week, um, can you leave our listeners with information to find you and what's coming up next with you? Like, what is going on with the
1: uh, fibroid pandemic? Absolutely. So the fibroid pandemic is presenting our second annual Run Far 5K Run Walk.
0: Okay, okay,
1: okay. Run FAR 5K. So FAR is an acronym for Fibroid Awareness and Resources. It's happening on Saturday, July 15th, which is the third Saturday of July. Yes, the third Saturday is the 15th, 2023. It's going to be here in the Atlanta, Georgia area, specifically Still Family Farm, nice. which is about, about 25 minutes north north of the city. Um, okay. It's going to be a two-day event whereby on Friday, the 14th, I'm going to have speaking engagements, a panel discussion. Then on Saturday morning, we're going to have the 5K run walk. So I'm excited about that. Um, I oh, do have I'm some excited. things in the pipeline. Okay. Yes, yeah, so we're looking for sponsors. We're looking for participants. Um, you can participate in person. Um, you can also participate virtually. What virtual participation includes, we're not going to have a drone real time. What virtual means is that you can go out and do your own 5K run walk, log back into our website and log your time and we will mail you your t-shirt and your finisher's medal. Um, You can also participate as a ghost runner, quote unquote. Ghost runner means that you don't really intend on getting out there at all, but you Mm -hmm. love the cause. So you want your (laughs) t-shirt. You can also gift a registration to someone else. We say, you know, what? I don't have fibroids, but I love what you're doing. I think my neighbor would be ecstatic to participate. Um, so I thought of just about everything. Yeah, um, sponsorship packages they range anywhere from $150 up to $5,000. So, you know, that one person who's a startup company and they just want to get their marketing material out inside of these, um, the, the race packets, they can pay $150. Their logo would be on the website. Um, uh, and they can get their marketing material which is typically going to be things like your your business cards that can be inside of the packets and they also get two complimentary race entries as well or you know next level is $500 so you get a little bit more there and So it goes from 150 500 1500 3000 and 5000 5000 is our presenting sponsor where their name's going to be prominently recognized as a you know presenting sponsor they're going to be able to do um, have their information included on on air radio advertisement, signage along the race course. So, is this a lot that they'll get as a presenting sponsor? So, the, I try I, I price You're it to for
0: everybody. With this I, I
1: did for everybody, <laughs> correct. I
0: gotta we gotta talk offline on how so by the pound could be involved, and I better see my cousins out there running in their t shirt, <laughs> and I will have to do a virtual run from New York, but. You have Yes, everybody come on. Pause. Come on. <laughs> yes, yes. we're <laughs> really going to talk offline about this because I definitely want to be involved. Can you share your social media handles and website for everyone? Because I feel I have a feeling, number one, not only are people going to be involved in this fantastic event, but I got to tell you, the way you talk about fibroid health is literally in public health. I, it's so eloquently. So give our listeners something to like a, a way to reach out to you.
1: Well, first of all, thank you for that compliment. I really appreciate it. Um, so I am on Instagram at the fibroid pandemic. T-H-E-F-I-B-R-O-I-D pandemic. It's no unique spelling, just the fibroid pandemic. I'm also online at the fibroid You can also find me on Facebook at the fibroid pandemic as well. Um, I am available via email at info at the also.
0: Yes, love it. All right, so I got one more question for you. Okay. All right. So we do this thing called the Soul Star Tip. And Mm -hmm. this tip is for our listeners that as soon as they finish listening to this episode, they could take immediate action. Like there's no waiting until next month, or I'm going to wait till I figure this out. Literally, immediate action. So, Mm -hmm. what is your Soul Star
1: Tip for our listeners? Number one, if you have not, if you have yet to be diagnosed with fibroids, but based on some of the information that we've discussed during this podcast, if it sounds like, you know what, I may have some of those symptoms, go get checked out, go to your OBGYN, schedule an appointment and get checked out. Now your doctor can, um, fibroids are not diagnosed by a blood test. Fibroids are diagnosed either by a pelvic exam a ultrasound or an MRI. MRI typically is going to be the most accurate because it can, um, you know, pretty much tell you how many you have to a certain extent, because sometimes little tiny ones are hiding. um, okay. And it can also tell you the size of them. Right. Uh, so that will be the main thing I would say. Go get checked out. Okay. Number one, go get checked out.
0: I like that. Make those Absolutely. appointments, ladies. Make those appointments.
1: <laughs> Make those appointments. Yeah, I feel
0: like I need to get, because honestly, that is something the top of mind that I never thought to ask for because I didn't know a lot about it. Um, mm-hmm. But it is around that time for me. So I'm so happy you said
1: that, actually. Yeah, and it's my pleasure, China. And for those who have been diagnosed, um, start doing your research to determine determine a plan of action. Don't wait. Determine a plan of action and just get it. Done. I hear so many people who say, "You know what? I should have did this sooner than later. I should have been done this. Just do it. Find a babysitter. Get your your you know get your business in order, and just go ahead and have your procedure done, or whatever it is. Go ahead and start doing a natural, holistic route. Whatever you decide to do, take action now. Amen. Love it. Well, and put that dairy away. <laughs> <laughs> Leave it alone. And, and some people say, you know, veganism. Um, but one thing I would say personally, I was a vegan. I went, I did everything by the book. Veganism does not guarantee um, that fibroids would not grow. Okay. okay. There's nothing wrong with being vegan. It's amazing. But I want to make sure people understand: veganism does not guarantee that fibroids would not grow. People don't understand that. I'm glad, and you, you can also be an unhealthy vegan. Like, yeah, like so yeah. I, I was roommates with
0: one in college. I mean, for, she had French fries every day. So. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> you get it. Yes. Well, I just want to thank you again for joining me for an amazing podcast. It. Sidebar for our listeners: If you it's I, during these interviews, I feel like I've learned so much, and this one, I definitely felt like you really not only provided some gems, but definitely provided some data. Like I got percentages and stuff and (laughs) actual numbers and that definitely to put, to hear those numbers and put, to put some science behind and stuff definitely makes it more alarming and definitely call to action and definitely makes me feel good about this podcast to have someone like you on it. So I thank you so much for joining me. Oh,
1: thank you. It's such a pleasure being here with you, Chen. I really enjoy our conversation.
0: Thanks. So thank you everyone for tuning in for an amazing interview. We look forward to seeing you on the next episode.